Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So we're going to be working in the first, first four chapters of Joshua now. Last week, to make accommodations for our special guest, uh, Chad and Kathy Robichaux, and Jeremy and Susanna Stallnecker, who didn't really speak last Sunday, but were in service. We, I mean, we were just so blessed. Weren't you guys blessed to have them? They just did a great job. We had 160 people in this entire building, not just upstairs, obviously, but we had over 100 upstairs. Uh, we don't have 100 today. There are some empty seats, so if the fire marshal has sent a spy, we're good, all right? And then uh, we had a bunch of kids downstairs. We just had a great service. We, it was such a privilege to accompany Chad uh, uh, Monday to Mar 4 Marine Forces Europe and Africa to speak to about 150 Marines, and he just did a wonderful job. And I'll tell you, Chad's testimony changes very little when he's talking to the military. I mean, he is sharing Jesus when he goes to these places. You know, one of the pillars of resiliency is spiritual resiliency, and so he's able to really connect and just had a wonderful time. Many Marines staying well after his engagement, and uh, I think we got out of there. His his appointment was at 1.30. He spoke for about an hour, and I think we got out of there about 3.30, signing books, taking pictures with Marines, and just a wonderful uh, time uh, and just a blessing to be there. So we're so glad we were able to do that and partner with the other churches in the area, both Trinity and IBC. And I, I count it a success and definitely a pioneering work of what's to come, hopefully, in the future uh, with cooperation of our churches. Amen. All right. Um, how many of you have ever wished for a do-over in your life? Raise your hand if you've, wow, okay, nobody's shy about that, good. I'm going to have an honest group this morning, good. You know, do-overs usually come with a place, from a place of regret. We wish we could have done it differently. If I knew then what I know now, I would have never made those mistakes. One thing that comes particularly right to the top of my head, and I've shared this in growth group, and maybe you've heard this story, if so, bear with me, but when Stacy and I uh, were still pastoring in the United States, it, some, something came over me, and I said, we need a bigger house, and uh, our family wasn't getting any bigger. We didn't have any uh, dogs or cats or anything. We didn't, we didn't need more room. I just decided, hey, we need a bigger house, and so we were in about a, what, 1,300-square-foot house, and then we looked around, and we got a 2,500-square-foot house with a swimming pool and a, man, the kitchen, the kitchen. I'm the cook in the family, and this kitchen was huge. Like, this island was literally an island. Tom Hanks tried to buy it. I mean, that's how big it was, right? It was a big island, and, and uh, we just loved it, and it was our kind of our dream home. But I didn't pray about it. I didn't consult the Lord. I didn't say, hey, Lord, if you want to give this into my hand, make it possible. I just went and did it. How many of you know you can do a lot of stupid things on your own without the Lord's help? Amen. And that's exactly what happened. And so I bought this big house and uh, invested a bunch of money in kind of fixing up what needed to be fixed. The pool needed some work. So I fixed that up, blew about 15 grand and all that stuff. And then was it a year and a half later? Not even that. 
the Lord called us to full-time missions and said, hey, you're mo-. basically the Lord said to, to, to Stacy and I, you're moving. You're moving on from here. Well, I mean, how many of you know you have no equity in a house that's a year old that you just put 15 grand in, that you just paid full price and a realtor for? And so uh, what, what else could we do but say, yes, Lord? You know, when the Lord calls you, when the Lord speaks to you, even if it's in this service, in any service, your only response of any wisdom whatsoever is to say, yes, Lord, period. Not like Peter, but no, you'll never wash my feet. No, you'll never do that. No, you just say, yes, Lord, but take it, take it from me. I know I'm not the oldest person in the room, but uh, this wisdom can be echoed by those who are more elder than I am, right? Is just say yes to the Lord, especially when he speaks to you. So we did that. We sold our house. We lost our shirt, but praise God, we came out of it still debt free. Uh, and uh, we didn't, but we did lose all the money that we invested. Now, if I had a do-over, I would have asked the Lord, hey, do you think I should buy this house, Lord? What do you think? Can you give me a piece about it instead of just barreling and steamrolling the whole thing? Because then I would, I'd have that 15, 20 grand that I put in the house, you know, and, uh, you know, I could do a lot with 15 or 20 grand. Can you imagine the kind of mountain bike I could get for 20 grand? <laughs> I mean, I just wish I had a do-over. Now, that's a pretty innocent one. There's a lot of... of there's a lot more of those, and I sure, I'm sure you guys have a lot more as well. But, you know, when we look at do-overs, we tend to kind of look at the negative of it. But moving to Germany gave Stacy and I a fresh start, you know. And for, for many of you, it's the same. You move to Germany, whether it's with the military or, you know, uh, we know I know we have some civilians that moved here for jobs too. And it was a, it's an opportunity for a fresh start. And for some of you, you get a fresh start every three years. And we focus on all the trouble of it and all the pain of moving and packing up all our stuff. But, you know, in the military, the key to a successful career is patience, right? Because you get a bad commander, you get a bad assignment, just wait three years and it's over. It's over. You get to go somewhere else and uh, start new. And so that's pretty good. You get it like sports teams, right? Every year, a new season starts. Right now, we're, we're getting into baseball season. Who was talking about the NCAA? You guys were talking about it today, like your bracket. Who cares, right? Baseball season is starting, people, all right? And the Cardinals, they're going to take it all this year. Somebody say amen. Thank you. I got one up there. I knew I would have at least one, okay, Cardinal fan in the house. Now, last year, I started with the same optimism. And about a month in, I'm like, we don't have a chance. <laughs> we had bad management and bad coaching. We're back this year, okay? But everybody, everybody, everybody starts every season, if you're a sports fan in any sport, you start that way, right? You're optimistic about the season because you're starting new. And failed business endeavors. You know, a lot of great entrepreneurs failed many times before they found that one thing. And uh, I could have researched that a lot better and had a bunch of stories for you today, but just take my word for it, okay? That, you know, that happens with entrepreneurs. They do a lot of things wrong, and then they learn to do it right. And here we are in the book of Joshua, and after 40 years of wandering around the desert, the Israelites have an opportunity for a do-over. And they're not going to, Moses doesn't have an opportunity for a do-over, but the Israelites, you know, basically Joshua and Caleb, uh, they have an opportunity for a do-over and the Israelites who are following them. And this is the next generation. A whole generation has passed away in the desert, and now we find ourselves at the edge of the River Jordan. 
And on the other side is Jericho, which they're going to have to go in and take. And so all this unbelief, all this disobedience has led them to this point, and that's where we pick up today. Now, we're going to skip around. We're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to go through a few verses there. Then we're going to skip over to 3, and then we're going to go to 4, okay? Now, if you're following along in our digital bulletin, which is available on the Bible app, there's signs on both entrances right when you come in and right when you come up the stairs. If you don't have it, then you can get it before you leave. Uh, all of the you can just follow along in the sermon in the digital app, and all the scriptures are right there for you. Um, if you're flipping around in pages, that's okay. Just know we're going to be in the first four pages of Joshua. If this is your first time here, first time in a while. We're going through the entire Bible together. It's a journey, okay? It's a it's it's a it's not a race, it's a marathon. We're going to go three years through the entire Bible. This is supported by our daily devotional, which is online on our website. You can fill in all the gaps in Joshua and uh, all of the other gaps that we, because we, we do kind of skip around, but we're going book by book, uh, major theme through major theme uh, in the Bible. So go with me to chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Now, I underline this uh, up here, and I know I got a lot of text up there, but I also underlined it in my Bible. I encourage you to do the same. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, you can just put a big circle around 8 uh, through 9 here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? What's God saying here in verse 9? Have I not commanded you? Have I ever lied to you? That's what he's saying. Have I ever let you down? Is it not me who's promising this? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's the Lord encouraging Joshua, and Joshua needs encouragement. He's got monumental tasks in front of him, and God is basically transferring leadership from Moses to Joshua and saying, you are the new leader of Israel. Now, the leader of Israel, Moses made some mistakes in the desert, that's for sure, So Aaron, obviously Miriam as well, but this leadership now has all passed away, and now it's going on to new leadership. And the Israelites, they bucked against Moses, Miriam, and even Aaron, and they, they kind of prodded them. But now there's a new generation. And I, you know, we're just going to skip ahead just real quick. Verse 10 says, and Joshua commanded. We're going to stop right there. And he's telling them all that God has told them. See, that's what, an, that's what an effective man of God does. He gets before the Lord. He's faithful to the Lord. And then he hears from the Lord. And then he communicates what the Lord is saying uh, to the leader, to the people. Because he's not God. He's just telling the people what God said. And he tells them all of this, right? And then the people, instead of bucking against it and say, why don't we just die in the desert like they have for so many times as we've gone through all the Bible so far, just let us die in the desert. We're never going to win. We can never cross the Jordan. We'll never beat Jericho. What they say to him is, be strong and courageous. 
The people say it in verse 18. They encourage Joshua too. So not only does he have the encouragement of God, who's saying, be strong and courageous, trust in me. You know I can do this. But he goes to the people, and the people, instead of pushing against him, all this pushback, they're saying, yes, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. We trust the Lord. Be strong and courageous. They're encouraging him as well. And so here is God's appointed successor to Moses, Joshua. Those are big shoes to fill. How many of you know that? Those are big shoes to fill. And Joshua probably didn't, probably didn't see this coming, you know? Now, he was Moses' right-hand man, that's for sure. But we don't read of any ambition for Moses, for Joshua strategically trying to push Caleb out or push others out for leadership. He's just a servant. Let me tell you, church, if you, if you have ambition to do great things for God, the place where you start is at the servant level. The servant level. You start as a servant. Jesus was a great leader, but Jesus was a servant leader. He washed the disciples' feet, right? He, he served them. Fish on the beach. He served them. If you want to be a leader, don't push your way to the top. Don't elbow other people out. Just be a servant and allow God to promote you. Allow God to move you forward and do great things for him. And, you know, to be honest with you, how we ended up here today, how I ended up behind this pulpit with this microphone preaching to a wonderful church is I started just by being a servant. I mean, there was a hole that needed to be filled. We started working in the inner city of San Antonio in the poorest neighborhood, a, a place called Alazon Courts, a housing project where it, it was very violent. It was The kids were really neglected and were there ministering. We just started serving there. And God just kind of took us on this wonderful journey where we find ourselves here today. That's just where it starts. Just be a servant. You know, you're not going to, at least in this church, you're not going to go from just coming here to being a growth group leader. You know, it's not going to happen. Just be a servant, you know, and serve where the needs are and let God promote you up the chain. That's for free. All that's for free. And it's also important that God spoke to Joshua. Now, here in the Old Testament, we have the Holy Spirit poured out on a few select individuals. We have Moses, we have Joshua, we have the prophets, we have the judges. We have the Holy Spirit filling people to speak to the people what God is speaking to them. We live in a totally different age. We live in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon every believer, right? So the anointing that Joshua has, the anointing that Moses has, the fullness of the, the spirit they have is the spirit that resides in you as a Christian, right? And we don't think of ourselves that way, and rightfully so. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to Moses or Joshua, and I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is that there is no Joshua Holy Spirit. There's no Billy Graham Holy Spirit. There's no uh, Mother Teresa Holy Spirit. There's no your favorite preacher, me, right? Holy Spirit, I'm just kidding, right? There's It's the same Holy Spirit. There's no adult Holy Spirit and then little kid Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But here, here the Spirit, the presence of God is resting now on Joshua. And Joshua is able to hear from God and he is God's mouthpiece to the people. I said all that about the Holy Spirit to let you know that you too can serve God as God's mouthpiece, as his witness, right? Not all of you are called to be preachers, but we are all called to testify and tell others of the greatness and, and 
and awesomeness of our God. Amen. Tell people about Jesus and about how he died for their sin as their sacrifice. All right, that's important. Now, he commands Joshua to be strong and courageous many times. And Joshua really need to hear this. Why? Because Joshua was tasked with really being a warrior. While Moses led people out, and sure, there were a battle or two, Joshua's uh, history would be full of him. And he was to conquer and distribute the land among the people. In the first big obstacles, Jericho. Now, see, I kind of compare uh, my ministry here to trying to minister to Jericho. Because I don't, I'm not in the military. I don't have access. Most of our church is military. I, I, don't, I have to be signed on by whoever. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. So I kind of compare it to ministering to Jericho, but the wall's still up. Excuse me. And so, uh, but here... God is giving that is is giving them this land. So Jericho, it's not like I, you know I have plans to like defeat the base or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that here this land is going to be theirs, and so Jericho must fall, and they're not going to just give it up. It's not like oh well, they would knock down the gate one day and said, hey, God's given us this land, so uh, could you leave? And and of course they're they said. No, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to leave. And so they're going to put up a fight. And so, you know, Joshua is really challenged with this. And then he's got to distribute the land among all these people. And he's got to be as fair as possible. He really needs to be strong and courageous. He also needs to be strong and courageous to observe God's instruction. And, and God is very specific here. Because I also underline in these verses 8 and 9, the thens. The thens, right? So in 8 it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When? When you are careful to obey God's word. This is important. This is important because we want all the blessings, but we don't want any obedience, right? I mean, God, we, we love your sacrifice on the cross. We love the stone rolled away. We love that. But we don't want to, I mean, follow you, follow you? Like live out the Beatitudes, follow you? uh, pass, right? I mean, that, that's where it stops for a lot of us. We want blessing, but not obedience. But here God is so clear and he's clear in the new Testament as well, is that it's our obedience that, 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 uh, unlocks these promises. It's then if we, if we walk in faith and we do God's word, then we know our way will be prosperous. We know that we will be blessed people and we will have success. Now, maybe not success as most people see it, but we'll have success. We'll be firmly rooted in the Lord. We'll have a great relationship with God. We'll know no matter what comes against us that we can stand in him if we are careful to observe his instruction. You know, when leadership was absent from Israel, obedience wasn't their number one priority. You know, they made a golden calf. Uh, they did a lot of other stupid stuff. And um, when we get our eyes off of God, we're, we're liable to do the same. We start worshiping idols. We start doing a lot of stupid stuff, things that we regret and that we hope we can do over. Joshua also needed to be reminded that his courage wasn't his own, but it came from God. Now, you might be facing really unsurmountable circumstances. I hope you are, right? Because when you are, then you give God room to work. If you're doing everything in your own power and the only thing you ever risk is what you can stand to lose, then you're probably never going to do anything great for God, right? Because 
When we do something great for God, we need him to be part of it. We need him to be part of it. If he's not part of it, if, you, if he's not even in the equation, like Chad said last week, he had this great plan to turn his life around, and Steve Toth, he passed it over to Steve Toth. He was so proud of it. And then Steve Toth passed it back. He said, this is never going to work. He didn't even read it because God wasn't in the plan, see? If you've got a plan that you can account, because, I mean, we got leaders in here. We've got, we've got smart people in the room. And I'm sure you could figure out a lot of stuff all on your own. But you really want to do something great, right? You want to do something huge. You need great courage, then you get it from God. That's where Joshua got it. When God speaks to you and says, I'm with you, is it not I who command you? Be strong and courageous. How many of you feel like you could do anything? Amen? You can do anything. The God who created the universe is with you. Thank you. Wes, one person is excited about it. See, God has not left us as orphans. You know, it was always God's intention to walk with his people. Sin came between us and God. Jesus came to close that gap. And now we walk with God again in the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Our courage comes from him. And we, when we walk with the Almighty God, when we follow Jesus, He gives us courage. He gives us courage to overcome all of our fears. Now, if you're not facing anything today, you're like, yeah, I believe that. If you're really up against it, you might be like, I don't know. I don't know. Pray for courage. Pray for courage and receive it from the Lord. So God goes with us. Our next point is God goes before us. And so we're going to read chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, and then we're going to skip down to 14 through 17. We're doing this for brevity, not because it's not important. I definitely encourage you to go back and read chapter 2 where Rahab hides the spies. That's pretty awesome. And uh, a great story there about how she cooperates and spares her family. Just great. Go back and read that. But we're going to skip to 3 now just for brevity. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. Now, see, that really stuck out to me, too. Consecrate yourselves. What's that mean? Just set yourself aside for God. Set it aside for God. Put yourself in a place to hear from him, to see him do something great. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Verse 6, And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before all the people. Would the Ark represent? Hello? God's presence, right? Why did he do this? To show them that God was with them, right? That God was with them. So they had the ark go before all the people. Verse 7, then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Verse 14, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests um, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now, in parentheses here, some of you may have, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. Let's just pause here for a second. God didn't just pick trickle time. Right? Drought time, like in Texas, there are creeks that are just dry, dry beds of rock until it's flood season. And when flood season comes, they're full. This is the time God chooses to be glorified, right? Flood season. 
not trickle season, not bedrock season, but that it's overflowing the banks. There's more, there's as much water in the Jordan that will ever be in the Jordan, okay? And this is the time he picks it. Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap far away and at, uh, at Adam, the city that was beside Zarathon. And those flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Just, just to be clear, this was not a strong wind, right? This was not an accident. There wasn't like a truck overturned in a creek somewhere, and it's, it dammed up the, the waterway for a while. God made the waters stand up on end. Now, we see in the Red Sea, they're parted, and they go between them. Here, this, it's completely cut off. You know, if you close up a river just for a, a few hours, it, that is going to, I mean, that's going to be huge. Everybody's going to see that. Everybody's going to notice that. And so the waters stand up on their edge far off. Now, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So here they are. They come to the edge. The water stands on edge far away. They, all of a sudden, there's no more water in the Jordan. They walk across, and they stop right in the middle with the presence of God. He's right in the middle of their circumstances. He goes, God goes first. God goes before them. He's right in the middle. And the entire nation passed over on dry ground. Now, here God is showing Israel from the very beginning that he was going to lead the way. He's going to lead the way. There's an old military saying, you know, you know um, uh, infantry officer thing, and I think I really became aware of it in, in a movie called We Were Soldiers, and the uh, Colonel Hale Moore, he was, he was a paratrooper, and he said, I will always be the first with my foot on the battlefield, and I will always be the last to take my foot off the battlefield. And here God is saying the same thing. I am going to go before you. I am your rear guard. I am going to lead the way to victory. All you have to do is follow that's all you got to do. Just follow me. The presence goes out, stands in the middle of the Jordan. The priest carrying the ark in the entirety of Israel follows the ark. See, God is all powerful. This seems impossible. When we start talking about miracles and stuff, it freaks people out. It freaked one of our presidents out, Thomas Jefferson, so much that he completely removed all the miraculous things in the Bible. He came out with a book about that big, right? Because a lot of what God does is miraculous. And why, why wouldn't it be? He created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? Some, some of you believe that. All right. We have some uh, Darwinians in here. Okay. So he created the heavens and the earth, the stars in the sky. He created the Jordan. If he created it, surely he can make it stand on edge. Right? He can surely part the Red Sea. He can surely go before the people in fire and, over, and stay overhead in cloud right? This is the God we serve, the all-powerful, almighty God. Good place to say amen. Thank you, all right? And there's nothing he cannot do. We are the ones who limit him. We're the ones who limit him because we're, we're, we're still trying to be God, right? I mean, since Adam and Eve, we've tried to be God. We don't like, we don't like being confronted with things we can't understand, right? Now, most of you in this room have come to the place that you've, you've said, you know, I receive Christ by faith. I believe Scripture. 
by faith. I trust the Lord, right? You've come to that place. But you know where you were before you came to that point, right? You didn't believe. You didn't have faith. You didn't think God was all-powerful. But we bring some of that into our Christianity. We bring a little piece of that into our faith. And we say, well, God can do this, but he surely can't do that. Can God really do that? Can God still heal the sick? Can God still raise the dead? Can God still do a miracle in my marriage? Can God still do a miracle in my children? Can God still do miracles? Can he still, is he still creator God? Yes, he is. And if he can make the sea stand on edge, he can do whatever you need done in your life. I promise you, he can do it. Now here, we have the Jordan standing up on edge, and we have bookends. At the beginning, the Red Sea is parted. And at the end, the Jordan stands on edge. Both times, at the, at the beginning of the journey to the promised land, and at the end, God has bookended it with this huge miracle of stopping the water up. This is very significant, because this not only demonstrates to Israel God is all-powerful, but all the neighbors, right? Like, can you imagine being up by the city of Adam? You know, and you're just chilling out, maybe on your backyard, sipping a cup of coffee, you know, having a little, you know, you're just hanging out, somebody's feeding you grapes, and all of a sudden, I don't know why, every fantasy I have is somebody feeding me grapes. Anyway, so anyway, the, and here comes the water. Here comes the water. It's rising, it's rising, it's rising, and it just keeps coming. And you're like, what is going on? What is going on? And then all of a sudden, it's everywhere. God's power was demonstrated to more than just Israel at the Red Sea, Right? Surely the Egyptians appreciated it. And also, Jordan. I mean, here in Jericho, the Jordan, we see all of Jericho can see this, right? They see the power of God. Now, if I'm in Jericho and I don't become a believer right there, I'm bouncing, right? I am out. Like, what is going on? The water just stopped. This has never happened before. Here comes Israel. They knew all about Israel. I'm out. I, I'm totally out. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else, okay? But that's not what happens. They all hang out. They think they can beat Israel. They're going to be the ones who do it. Our trust in God is not, we talked about this a few weeks ago, it's not blind faith. It's not uneducated faith, right? It's not, it's not a faith that's not testified to by Scripture and by the experience of so many in this room, right? I mean, it's not blind faith. Our trust of God, trust in God is rooted in his faithfulness, in his promises, and in the power that he puts on display. God's promises, his power is real. And our faith is not blind faith. It's, it's rooted in scripture. It's rooted in the miracles of the people around us and maybe that we've experienced ourselves. So our first point was God is with us. The second point is God goes with us. And lastly, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Now he tells them, well, let's read the scripture and we'll see what he tells them. And those 12 stones were in verse 20 of chapter 4. 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Verse 22, then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth 
all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, Israel was God's people. But Israel fell woefully short in their God-ordained purpose, which was to make God known. God demonstrates his power on Israel's behalf to make himself known. See, God shows here that his heart is not just for Israel, but for all the people of the earth. He wants everyone to have a relationship with him. He is creator God. He is our almighty God. And he wants all the peoples of all the earth to know him as such, not just Israel. And he tells them to go get 12 stones, not just 12 rocks from anywhere. He tells them that one man from each tribe will go right to where the Lord, the presence of the Lord in the, in the, in the, in the uh, form of the Ark of the Covenant was there. Now, he's not the form, but represented by the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the Jordan. Go get a rock from right there. The 12 do. And they set him up as a reminder of God's faithfulness and plan for generations. This is really important because we are such a people of what have you done for me lately, God, you know, what have you done for me lately? And Chad said last week, as he was talking about the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps memorializes everything, right? And he was saying like, there's like a symbology everywhere. There's memorials everywhere. And I was right when he said that, I was like, that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. We should not forget the Lord and all his benefits. We should not forget what the Lord has done. And we should be faithful to share those stories of faith with our children. Now, parents, you might be like, I struggle to share my faith with my kids. I would say, yeah, not exclusively, but in a lot of cases, that's because you have yet to step out in faith for anything significant for God, okay? If you don't have any stories to tell, why is that, right? You should at least have a story to tell of your salvation, right? You should have that story. You should know that story well, and you should be sharing that story with your children. But if we don't ever do anything for God, if we never cross the sea, if we never step out in faith, then yeah, we don't have a whole lot to talk about when it comes to God, all right? Because we're like, well, I went to college, and I got a job, and I did this, and I did that, but we're not really stepping out. The church, I'm not saying this to put you down. What I'm saying this is that we need to take inventory from time to time and really see where we're at with God. And if we're really exercising faith or we're just pretending God exists, if we serve a really small God or we serve creator God, we need to think about where our life is headed and where we are leading our children. Now, Stacey and I, we have not been blessed with children. I want to tell you, I love your kids. You may not think so, but I do. I do love your kids. And I I love your kids, and we put a priority on children's ministry here, and your kids are hearing the Word of God and, and being introduced to, to Creator God every single week by people who are dedicated to doing that. However, the primary responsibility for teaching your children the Word of God, meditating on it day and night, letting them know that God is the Lord of your house as well as the universe is your job. That's the parent's job. We're here to support you. We're here to supplement that, but we are not here to do that exclusively. That's your job. And if you don't feel like you're doing that well, then maybe you just need to be strong and courageous. Maybe you just need to decide it's time to walk to the other side 
of the river. And set up some memorials. Think back, take inventory, write them down. They took these stones and they set them up because it reminded them of God's providence. This little pile of rocks. You know, I know the youth are going on a hike today. Uh, This is recently something that I've noticed recently when I go on hikes. There are people stacking up little piles of stones everywhere, right? As as high as it's like Jenga on the trail and trying to, you know, and this is kind of what we have here is this pile of rocks, but it's going to serve as a reminder of God's providence, how he did it all. As a reminder of their deliverance from danger and as a reminder of their faith in the living God. Why was it important that it came from the middle? Because that's where they experienced God's providence the most. Amen? <laughs> at any, they saw, some of them at least heard stories of what happened to Pharaoh's army, right? What happens when the waters come rushing back over? They're standing there, and in that danger, in that most dangerous spot, that's what, the, that's what the stones represent as well. God's deliverance from the most dangerous part of crossing the Jordan. And finally, their faith, because they had to walk out and cross the river. Now, God has done a lot of great things in a lot of our lives, and he has stood the waters on end, but we have sometimes, we still lack the courage to take that step forward and start crossing the river to take that next step and we stop short and we miss what God has for us on the other side. It's important that we give thanks, that we remember, and that we lean on the testimony of God's word, especially initially as Christians, as demonstration of his faithfulness. Now this is, we know that the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who loved Israel and preserved them through all of this is the same God whom you serve. Make no mistake about it. And that Israelites, we might, be, we might be a little jealous of them, right? Seeing all of these miracles and all this wondrous things that God did. And we might even joke saying, I would never build an, a golden calf if I saw all of this. We might be like, you know, it'd be easy to believe. But I would say that the Israelites would be jealous of us. Because each one of us, has been promised through the sanctification of our bodies and our souls through the sacrificial substitutionary atonement of Jesus on the cross have been made a new temple, a new tabernacle that the Holy Spirit makes his home. So what Moses and Joshua had, we all have, right? I mean, that's pretty awesome. We have the greater gift. The greater gift is Christ. The Jordan was a great gift, Jericho, which we'll learn, great gift. The promised land, great gift. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. You know, I fantasize from time to time, like many of you, especially when I'm driving, I should be paying attention, especially here in Germany, because people will just walk out in front of you. Yes, I see the crosswalk, by the way. Uh, Most of the time I see it. One time somebody really scared the pudding out of me because I was paying no attention, and a German woman pounded on my driver, and that really scared me because I almost ran her over in the crosswalk. You know, I'll be honest with you. And she just started pounding on that window, ah, blah, 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 in German. And I'm like, sorry. I mean, the window was up. I wasn't putting it down. She might have killed me. <laughs> Seriously. Where was I going with that? Oh, and so sometimes I'll be daydreaming and I'm thinking about, you know, 
big, you know, I really like to have a big ranch in Texas someday. And I don't care if there's any cattle on it. I, d- I just want to like a big ranch and, you know, like the biggest bass boat money can buy. These are things, you know, I think about from time to time. I'll never have this, but you know, it'd be nice to have. Right. And I think about that, but I wouldn't want all of that without Jesus. Does that make sense? Like he is my most treasured possession. Sometimes people would ask, how did you sell everything you owned and come to Germany? Because Jesus is my most treasured possession and saying no to him would be far worse than losing everything I own. It has been a couple of times in my life. We've gone through this, sold everything and followed Christ. It's not hard when you know where your treasure is. When you make the things of this world your treasure, yeah, that's tough. But he is our most precious possession. And I believe that this relationship is, uh, it makes everything else possible, makes everything else possible. And, you know, I've commented before, we lost everything, we sold everything and came to Germany. Well, we got it all back. You know, that, that house we live in is full of junk. I don't know how it happens, you know, uh, it just it just happens. I mean, we just buy stuff, buy stuff, and we'll probably have to sell it all again, you know, and that's what happens. But because Christ has gone before us in death, because he's the resurrected Lord, because he's provided salvation, we recount all of his works. We remember all of that, and we move forward in faith. Now, we all will have seas to cross in our lives. Maybe you're not in the middle of the sea right now, but you've been through one. You've been through the river. You've you've you need the waters to stand on end. And we can trust God and we can trust him to do that. But at some point we really have to exercise our faith and put ourselves at risk and step out into the waters. We've got to follow the presence of God where he's leading. And this takes strength and this takes courage and this takes faith. And this is what Israel had. This was the difference maker. They could have turned around again. But this generation had learned. And they were so opposite of the previous generation. They said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. We are with you. As a matter of fact, anyone who rebels will put to death. This is a totally different generation. God, let us experience in this generation that kind of faith. That kind of faith. And church, I want to tell you that in your life, you're going to come to the edge of the water and you're going to touch it. And you're going to have to make that decision to keep moving forward or to turn around and go back. So many Christians miss the great blessings God has for them because they turn around out of fear instead of being strengthened and courageous and moving forward. And that's, I'll tell you another thing. We really need community around us to help us. When it came to moving into this building, I put my foot in the water and I turned around. I turned around, but we had a great advisory council. We had great leaders that said, no, 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 we can do this. We can do this. And then we did it, right? Everything you see, it's so crazy, right? Now, maybe God, I'm sure if Stacy and I would have said, no, God, I'm staying in Texas because you love Texas and I'm staying in the new promised land. I'm staying here. Okay. We could have, we could have done that. Maybe God would have called somebody else and sent them. Maybe, but maybe not. And maybe everything that we're experiencing today in this church and everything that God's doing here was because 
we weren't afraid to cross the river, maybe. I'm not saying that to exalt me, because we know God, we have set up a memorial, right? We know it's God who did all of it, because we prayed every single day for 16 months. God, go before us. Make the ground fertile. And he, he certainly did that. I say that to say if we would have never taken that step and we would have turned around and taken the safe road, the easy road, staying in the military, staying in the job I hate, staying in this, staying in that, whatever it is, whatever that is for you, be strong and courageous. Put the Lord first and then follow him. Let him go before you and just follow him. He's going to do all the work, right? Now, it won't feel like that sometimes, but God is going to go before you. Follow him. Now, you go your own way, you're on your own. <laughs> I learned that too, right? I think we've all learned that. Follow Jesus. Trust him. Be strong and courageous and get to the other side of whatever Jordan you're facing. Amen? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.